Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good morning. We didn't do a sound check, but it sounds like it's working. We're good? All right. So let's open up to Colossians 3, 22. Actually, let's go to 3, uh, 3.23. That's kind of our jumping off verse. Whatever you do, <clears throat> do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than unto men. So I want to share a story with you. We left uh, Billings at 6 o'clock in the morning and flew to, to Seattle, Washington and spent the entire day we, in Washington. We did the underground tour. We went to the market where they throw the fish and we went to the gum wall and just spent the day being tourists and then 10:30 at night our flight left there and flew out of uh, uh, Washington and over the North Pole and across Russia and it landed in Dubai and uh, United Arab, Arab Emirates and if you've never been to Dubai it's probably the most modern city if Walt Disney designed a city this is what it would look like they're just building like crazy everything's very modern very clean and we landed and the, air, uh, the, the shuttle took us to a hotel and I found out they're doing a city tour uh, this is like 10:30 at night now and it's like 95 degrees so I've got jet lag not going to be able to sleep, so I've been up for I don't know how many hours. Uh, some people can sleep on a plane. I can only take short naps, so I didn't get much rest on the plane. But uh, I signed up to go on this tour for, of the city, and, and they took us out to the island that they built that looks like palm leaves, and they took us to all these different things. And they kind of have an attitude that we've got money, and we can do it, so why not? So you ask them, well, why did you build this? Well, we had money, and we had the technology, so we just did it. Uh, and one of the things that we did stop by and see was the tallest building in the world, which is downtown Dubai. And, of course, it's on 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and so I'm standing on the sidewalk, and all you can see is way up there is, is a, a red light blinking. You really can't comprehend how far it is because of the time of day it is. But all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, something, some bling caught my attention. As I turn and I fall into a deep trance, there across from the highest building in the world is a Bentley dealership. <laughs> this is for you, Pastor. <laughs> so I walk over there, and I'm, it's all glass. And I'm looking at, I don't know how many thousand dollar vehicles. You got to remember, Dubai is the place where they have $300,000 police cars because they couldn't catch the perpetrators in a Ford uh, Vicky, or, you know, I mean, you know, they couldn't, they have to have a Ferrari race car, a police car, to catch the perpetrators, and, but anyhow, as I stood there, I thought, the highest building in the world, some of the most expensive cars in the world, the highest building in the world, most expensive cars in the world, it's got to be a sermon illustration in here somewhere, right? I'm just believing God for this, the sermon to go with the <laughs> illustration. <laughs> they are beautiful cars, though. So whatever you do, whatever you find yourself doing, do your work heartily as unto the Lord rather than for men. And we've kind of done a series based on that a lifestyle is... Uh, 
a group of accomplishments that you do over a period of time. And we saw in Proverbs 24.10, and I like to review because um, that's really how I, I, when I listen to a teaching, it's usually not just one tape, it's usually a series. And uh, I'm, you, you've heard of waterproof and water resistant. Water resistant will take water, but at some time the water will penetrate through the material. Waterproof, it'll never let the, 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 mater- the water never let the ma- the material will never let the water through. So I'm kind of water resistant. It takes a while for that to get into me. So I like hearing it over and over and over again. But we saw in Proverbs 24.10 that if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there probably wasn't a lot to you in the first place. That's, I think, the message paraphrase. So we should be growing in our confidence in God. You know, and I shared a couple of personal stories with you. Uh, one was the, the flat tire that I had going down the interstate that blew out on me. Uh, and just the confidence and knowing that God's going to get me through this. Uh, been through, you know, a lot of things, but just knowing he's there and, and it's all going to be taken care of. The house number uh, change took seven years, but God showed up with bulldozers and took care of that problem. And then the gravel that, you know, I was believing God for materials and supplies to come in because we were uh, believing God to be debt-free and we had some things we needed to accomplish. And that may seem like a small thing, and, and it really it was, but it was believing God to be my source. It was believing that he would work through other people, and it was believing that he wanted us to be debt-free. Those three steps. And <clears throat> I've really been encouraged because some of you have come up to me and, and shared your life stories where you're starting to see and recognize that God's dealing in your life. And that was really what this was was about, was uh, we don't want to be like Israel, who had miracles all around them, supernatural, and wasn't uh, didn't account it to be supernatural. They became accustomed to it and didn't give any credit to God for it. So, we talked about them opening the Red Sea, but then the manna that came for 40 years. Uh, they got accustomed to it. They didn't. In fact, they grumbled and complained. They were tired of God being supplying to them supernatural. And we talked about that for it to be supernatural, it doesn't have to be spectacular. Um, Hollywood has a way of uh, making us ingrained that if something dazzles and, and shines and blinks, then that's, you know, wow. Uh, not everything that glitters is gold. You know, keep that in, in mind. And, and God can work supernaturally through you. I shared the story of the Rama student who was complaining to the dean of students that uh, his uncle wanted to pay his tuition, and he didn't want that because he wanted God to pay his tuition. Well, God was using a man, and, you know, and the, the dean gave him a lot of wisdom, asked him, did you ask your uncle? No. Did you... Let, you know, let it be known that you needed money. Other than telling his relatives that he had gone to school, um, the God just put it on his heart, on his uncle's heart, to pay his tuition that semester. So, so we want to see uh, in our lifestyle that God's working. Some sometimes in big ways, sometimes in in smaller ways. Uh, I had been dating a, a young lady. I was 17 and been dating a lady, a young lady, off and on. Uh, and we probably hadn't, it was on the off period, uh, probably hadn't talked to her for three or four months. And in that time, I got born again. And I prayed over her several different times. But the real miracle was that at 2.30 in the morning, 
one evening God woke me up. That was a miracle right there, waking me up. I'm <laughs> pretty sound sleeper. But God, <laughs> God woke me up, and I had, and you got to understand, I came out of the Adventist uh, teaching. I'd never heard of a prayer warrior, intercessory prayer, something we never talked about. Standing in the gap for somebody was, was these are all foreign terms to me. I won't know those things until years later when we go to a word church. And all I can describe this is as a sobbing. I woke up, I had this young lady on my heart, and I just was crying and sobbing. And this went on for about 15, 20 minutes. And I just remember saying, God, I want her life. And I did that twice. And the second time, it was quite authoritative. It was almost like a demand on God. I want her life. And then it subsided, and I went back to sleep. Well, the next day at school, uh, I was in, during intermission between classes, they announced over the intercom that this particular young lady had been on a, in a head-on crash and was in serious condition in Greeley uh, Hospital. So I reached out to one of her friends and made it known that I would like to come to the hospital and you know visit her. Uh, the word I got back from the family was it probably wouldn't be a good thing for me to show up. I was kind of a hothead, and she'd been seeing another young man, and they were afraid that I might tear his limbs off of his body. <laughs> I thought, what's the problem? We're going to be in a hospital. They can put them back together. You know, <laughs> what's the problem with this? So uh, come to find out that the very night that I prayed, um, the specialist that was over her case said that he had done everything he could do for her, and if she was going to make it, it was going to be up to a miracle. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> she went from having a broken hip to a cracked hip to a healed hip in three days. She asked the nurse what she had, if she could leave, and the nurse said, no, you can't leave. Uh, you've got an IV in your arm. So when the nurse left the room, she tore out the IV, got dressed, and left. Uh, you know this young lady. Is that close? Is that close? Yeah. <laughs> so she's been, a, she's been my life partner. She's been a, a spiritual warrior and uh, a great help to me. I love you. Uh, a spiritual bad battle maiden, uh, and we're, we're, if you don't, haven't heard, we're getting ready to go to war, spiritually, and, um, what's that? <laughs> Got your sling, your sword. <clears throat> so sometimes it can be, uh, even when you don't know, you know, I, I didn't speak in tongues, I didn't know how to pray in tongues, uh, it was the mercy of God, that's, that's all it was, that, you know, he... He loves us that much that he'll do things like that for us. And I don't know if you've ever worked for a corporation or a, a company that was out of touch and you felt like they didn't care and they didn't know what needed to be done in the business. God's not that way. And as we recognize his working in our lives, we'll be able to see and tell and want to do more for him because we know he's, he's, uh, he loves us and he cares for us. 
Pastor talked about in Philippians 2.14 on Wednesday night, to do all things without grumbling and disputing. And uh, that grumbling has an underlying tone of being subversive. It's the underground. It's not standing up and complaining to where people can talk with you and maybe you come to a resolution. It's doing an undercurrent to where you are trying to gain people to understand how you've been wronged and how you can, you know, how they need to take your side. They need to have sympathy with you. Uh, it's an underground movement to better your position. We don't want to find ourselves in, in that. We want to do everything wholeheartedly unto the Lord. Don't make, we talked about when you're doing, and as a leader, don't make people feel like they can't make good decisions. Um, we should be fearing God. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, we talked about uh, that a fool despises wisdom. A fool doesn't want to be corrected or taught. Uh, when we fear God, it's having a sense of respect, awe, and submission to him. And then... Proverbs 26.11 says, as a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool rejects, repeats his folly. You can learn from your mistakes. A fool will repeat them. You know, the best thing that we can do is learn from others', mis other mista others mistakes. Uh, and that's why the Bible gives us so many personal examples of real people that came through real circumstances. And we can learn from their mistakes. But if we don't and we make that same mistake, we can learn from that mistake. Let's do that so that we're not fools and repeat the mistake over and over again. We talked about no job being too big or too little. Everything's important. Uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, we read that God looks at the heart. So you may be able to fool your employer or someone else that you're doing your, your job wholeheartedly, but God really knows the truth. Um, don't do your work with just eye service. Uh, we talked about not having uh, the attitude that everything's a stepping stone. Not any one job is ever important enough to you to do a good job. You're always looking for the next thing. Now, we know promotion comes that way, but it should promotion should be from God. It should be because we're doing a really good job at what we're doing and not we're doing this just until we can get to the next thing. Uh, we talked in Colossians 3.17 that actions, uh, our actions should give thanks to God. Uh, from the Lord you will receive a reward. Uh, this is something that man tries to do a short circus, this uh, whole system. Man tries to find out how he can get that reward uh, himself. We talked about uh, being a good boss and being a, a good employer and being fair. Um, what if God create, uh, treated you the way you treat your employees? Customers, coworkers, pastor, boss, if God treated you the way you treat them. Uh, Paul went through good times, bad times. He, was, he said he knew what it was to be lacking and he knew what it was to be in abundance. And then the next verse, he says, I can do all things. So he didn't allow the lack or the abundance. Sometimes the abundance can be just as uh, demotivating as the, the lack. Um, if you have everything, sometimes you, you think, well, I don't need to 
do anything today. I'll just sit back and enjoy. Matthew 25 showed us the talents uh, that the, 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 the Lord, I guess, it showed that he gave out talents and those that took care of the talents and did something with the talents were rewarded and those, the one that did not, uh, it was taken away from him. And the underlying to me was that we need to, uh, to do the best that we can in every situation we find ourselves. Ephesians 5.1 showed us to be imitators of God, everything you do, for then you will be representing your Father as, he, as his beloved sons and daughters. You know, as, as Christians, we should be in high demand. People should, when, when they find out that we're a Christian, they should correlate that with, with a conscientious, reliable, dependable, caring, um, that should be the, the, you know, they shouldn't uh, have negative connotations about Christians. Uh, we can't change everyone, but we can change what we do about ourselves. And then we looked at thinking, and we talked about that uh, to, before an action actually happens, we have a thought, and that's brought about by usually something that's going on. It could be a hardship. We looked at the, the Jewish boy that, the, in the prodigal son story that was now feeding pigs, and he thought to himself, I can, I can uh, leave here and, and just work for my, for my father, not as a son, but as an employee. So we, we talked about that it first starts out as a thought, then a decision is made, and then an action follows. And that's how we can uh, be careful of what we think about. We, need to, uh, we talked about the, the bit in the horse's mouth, that even though it's very small and a thought, seems like a very small thing, but we need to take control of our thoughts. Uh, we don't need to allow them to linger. Um, now, on the negative, if, it, if it's a, a negative thought, get rid of it, cast it down. If it's a positive thought, you can meditate on it. You can take that in and mull it over. Um, but that's how faith comes, is by thinking and then making a decision to act on, on that. Luke 17, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we even talked about there's some people that have taken it to extremes. They, they worship the creation instead of the creator. Um, and out of the good treasure, a man will bring forth a good, a good work. So we need to be aware of that, that faith comes by what we think about, by hearing and thinking about. And we talked about motivation, uh, the reason or uh, the reason that, that people have for what they do. And we looked at fear being a, a motivation, uh, danger. We looked at another one, desire to um, get results, to wish or long for, crave or want enjoyment. And then we looked at love, affection, Concern for the uh, the will the well-being of others, and to do it without compensation. So we're going to spend a little bit more time on on that area. Um, protecting us from danger. 
we talked about the motivation of uh, not wanting to uh, pass the deadline on the IRS taxes. It's that time of year. If you haven't already, you should be getting uh, items in the mail that say contain important tax information. Uh, I just generally start a, f a file and put all those in and save them. And then when I go to sit down to do my taxes. But you don't want to go over the deadline. The, is it going to be April 14th? Is that, we don't know. They've changed it over the years. Last year it was because of COVID. Um, so we, we want to have that. Uh, we want to know that sometimes the respect or the deadline can be a motivation. Uh, in the prodigal son, he was hungry. Uh, that be, can be a motivation to our senses. Uh, hardship can open our eyes to see what we're, what we're doing. And then we talked about uh, Nehemiah building the wall so, to protect people. Um, that is a type of, I guess you could say that they had a, a fear of being attacked by uh, other tribes so that they wanted to build the wall and that the other people came to him and, and said that they could see that the work was accomplished by the hand of the Lord. So God helped them and, and joined with them to build that wall and to accomplish it. You know, uh, I talked about God being um, knows more about your job than, than you do, and if you ask him, he'll help you do it. Um, and that doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a brain surgeon or a, or a bricklayer. Uh, God can help you be more efficient and do a, good, a, a better job uh, if you ask him how, how to. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we talked about in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin. And convict is a good thing. Condemnation is not. And we talked about that Satan will condemn and he'll bring guilt and he'll try and, and make you feel like you'll never, you'll never be able to, to succeed. The difference between when the Holy Spirit comes to you and convicts you of something that's wrong in your life, he'll show you how to overcome that. He'll help you overcome that. Um, Many people are doing things that God never told them to because they feel guilty. Uh, somebody else is doing it, so we have to do it, or we're going to you know, miss out. We have to have the best coffee barista in, in, in the church world, or we're not going to get new people coming to our church. Those are, those are motivations, but they're not good motivations. They're not done with the, with the right heart. And we talked about that they won't, uh, they won't ever allow a person to achieve their... their uh, their full potential. They, the, you know, if you have a boss that continually comes to you and says, "Get this done, or, or it's your last day," you know, that's motivation, but it's not great motivation, and it probably won't won't make you want to strive and do a good job of whatever you need to do. Uh, we want to look at Isaiah 38. And verse one. In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. So he gets some bad news. Um, the prophets come to him and said, this is a word of knowledge. In other words, if things don't change, this is what's going to happen. And so then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Uh, and he, he said, this is verse 3, 
Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So Isaiah delivers a word, and it looks like he's leaving. And as he's leaving, God says to him, go back to verse 5, go, to, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life, and will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. So we have a God who can take bad news and turn it into good. If you don't have that kind of a God, you need to get him. Because this is an evil world. It's full of bad. And when you're in this world, God comes to you and gives you an opportunity to receive what his, what his son has done. And when we receive that, he changes our evil nature into a righteous nature. Ezekiel 33, 11 says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know, God doesn't have any uh, joy. Uh, in fact, if you read Revelation, it talks about there's a, a span of a half hour in between when everything is accomplished and God uh, doles out his, um, his judgment. And I've often thought of that, and I've, I've thought about parents you know, you might be sitting on the couch and you've told the kids for the 13th time to quit doing that and they aren't. <sighs> Going to have to get up and spank them. You know, it's not that you want to, it's the right thing to do. And God says he takes no pleasure in that. But if a person leaves and rejects everything that God has put before him, what is left? Judgment. So, uh, God can change evil for good. Yes, he can. Um, we look in Genesis 50, 20. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. We'll start at verse 18. Then his brothers came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, for I am in God's place. So Joseph recognized that God put him there. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So God placed Joseph in that situation for the, the, the preservation of, the, of the, the Jewish people, the tribe of Israel. God means in our life the things that he brings about for good also, if we'll cooperate with him. We talked about desiring the end goal uh, getting up early for a fishing trip. I have an e easier time getting up when I'm motivated by something I want to do rather than something I have to do. Uh, Proverbs 6, 6, we talked about the ants. Um, they're diligent and hardworking. They have a can-do attitude. 
Um, they're excellent organizers, and they seem to have a great teamwork uh, and be able to work in unity. Having goals can be a good motivator. Money can be a good motivator. Money, the, the root of, uh, the love of money is the root of evil, not money itself. Uh, in fact, Proverbs talks about money, um, 1.9711 times, almost two times per chapter. It's, there's, a, there's something that it says about money. 61 times in 31 verses. So, uh, you know, and that's just in Proverbs. So money is something that's talked a lot about the Bible. Uh, money can be used for good, uh, but it's the love of money when we get greedy. And we gave the example of the uh, landowner that had more than enough. So rather than sharing with his neighbors or maybe finding somebody that had need, he decided just to build a, a bigger barns and put up even more and just hoard it all. And having that kind of a greed... And then the Lord came to him and said his life was required of him this night. So all that work he had done, everything he had looked forward to, uh, years of retirement, not having to work, all those different things are all gone. Uh, Proverbs 23.5 says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Uh, you can chase, and we talked about that carrot that sometimes is just within reach, but not in reach, just just a little bit uh, beyond what you can reach. Uh, and it continues and continues, and you're always chasing after riches. Uh, wh when are you rich enough? You know, when is, what, what is enough? Matthew tw uh, 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Money should be used for good and not for greed. Um, we should have a true heart and work out of a, of a heart of love. So when we do something, it should be because we have um, a love for what we're doing. And we saw that even doing work, we represent God to uh, the people that are in our, uh, our employers, our co-workers. We're representing God to them. So we should have the attitude of what a glorious God he gives us salvation daily, over and over and over. Um, the, the word salvation is actually uh, was saved and being saved will be saved. It transcends all three uh, tenses, so past, present, and future. So the work that God's doing in us will continue. Why do you do what you do? For the reward or to be a blessing? Uh, Jesus knew something that we don't. Uh, in John 5:19, it says the Son of God, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Let's go over there. Let's see. We don't have any teaching today, right, Pastor? We don't have ushers or uh, prayer workers, so I can go to 10:29. <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> just hand you the mic as I step off the stage <laughs> okay John 519 
Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing or whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So Jesus knew that for him to be a success, he had to look to God to see what he was supposed to do. We need to be the same way in our, in our life. Now, you know, some people take it to extreme. They, when they get up in the morning, they may ask God what color tie to wear. You know, that's, that's fine. Um, but certainly on, on areas uh, where we need guidance, we need to, to ask God, hey, I'm looking at this and I need to, to have your input. I need to know what I, need, what I should do, and I'm looking to you to do that. Um, And then verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. So we see that God shows Jesus things because he loves him. God will show us things because he loves us. And he may even have us do things that we don't understand. I didn't have any idea why I was praying for Deb at 2.30 in the morning. I had no idea she was in an accident, um, but God did. And because he loved me and he loves her, he had me uh, intercede for her. Let's go over to um, John 6.38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's uh, <clears throat> something I'm striving to do, would like to do, be able to say. But unfortunately, living in a body of flesh, I find myself doing um, things that may not be bad, but maybe just eating up time. Um, so we need, we need to be aware of and look to God to show us what we need to be spending our time on and what we need to do. And then John 4.34. Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And I got to thinking about why would he say my food? And I got to thinking about uh, what is food? What is food to us? It, it satisfies. And I think Jesus was saying, I get my satisfaction from doing the will of my Father. Uh, when you sit down and have a good meal, you get, not only do you get nutrition, but you do get uh, a satisfaction of the fellowship and the time and the, the food that you've eaten. Um, I think there's a reason that food is used a lot in the Bible. The, the marriage supper of the Lamb is something that we're looking forward to, not only leaving here, but also that spending time with Jesus and, and getting to know him better. So we need to do because we love him and he loves us. And so the highest commitment or motivation is going to be done out of, out of love. But, you know, we're only going to do as much as we're committed to. Uh, the word commit is an agreement 
or plead to do something in the future, being dedicated to a cause. How committed are you? How committed are you to uh, your cause? We need to learn both how to submit and how to exercise authority. Let's go over to James 4. This is verse 6 and 7. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, just like we look at uh, now, I was talking about, you know, God meeting our needs, and we see God as our source, and we three, see him working through people, and we believe him to become either healed or debt-free or whatever we're believing for. We need to see that same submission in this verse. Um, we can say we submit to, to God, but do we submit to people? Are we submissive to um, our employer? Our boss? Are we submissive to those that are in leadership above us? Or are we always thinking that I would do a better job uh, and never taking the time to find out why they are doing what they're doing and, uh, and looking at that? Um, so there's two ways we can be submissive to God or submit to God. Uh, God says that what He says in His Word. So sometimes you may be going along and you're, you're thinking uh, a certain way, you're looking at it and you read a scripture or um, you hear something preached and all of a sudden you realize you're looking at it wrong. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue on with your, um, you know, I've always done it this way and this is why I'm going to do it this way or are you going to be submissive to God and look at it and say, you know what, I was wrong. And your way is better than my way, and I'm going to submit to. So that's one way we can submit to God. Another way is uh, uh, through the Spirit. So God may give someone a, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a prophecy uh, through uh, another person. And you, know, uh, you could hear that, and you could say, you know what? That's God speaking to me. There's been sometimes I've thought that the person was just talking to me in the service. You know, there's lots of people there, but this was speaking to me. So that's another way. So we can be uh, submissive to God by uh, being submissive to his word and being submissive to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit may be working on you, on something, telling you something, and then he says it through another person. Uh, by submitting to people um, who are over us, we put ourselves in a position where we're submitting to God. Have you ever tried to uh, plan an event and you're not sure how many people are coming? Yeah. It makes it really difficult. I, I always thought RSVP meant that if I was coming, I needed to let the person know. Uh, I learned that that's incorrect. You need to let them know whether you're coming or not because that way they can plan on how many people to entertain. So uh, when you're a leader and you don't know the level of the people that are committed and 
doing uh, in your group, it's hard to be to plan. It's hard to know what exactly to do and how to do it because you're not sure who's with you and who's who's not. Uh, I went to a, a leader and I asked him about four different people, and I said, "What about this person? This person? You know?" And they said, "Well, I'm not sure how committed." this one is and I know this one isn't you know and so we need to we need to not only do unto the Lord we need to be submitted and be willing to do on the people uh, under the people that God leads us uh, when I was an usher at Rama, it's a very structured uh, you didn't wonder who was, you know, the next step up. And everything followed the chain of command. You didn't go to Pastor Hagen and, and ask him something about ushering. You went to your usher captain, and the usher captain went to the, you know, the, 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 the usher captain that was over the whole group. And if they didn't know, they went to the associate pastor, and they had a chain of command, and each person was submissive or subjected to the leadership. And it worked out wonderfully, and it had a lot of... Um, it has has God's blessing on it. Pastor did a, a really good job on teaching us before the elections about submitting to godliness and you know and not submitting to um, that God doesn't set up a person necessarily. He sets up a position. Let's put it that way. And that position, that, that organization, is of God to be submitted to. So I encourage you to be committed and be submit, submissive to those people uh, that are placed above you. This is what the, the Colossian church was um, having such an issue with because there were employers and employees in the natural world and then there were they, those same people came into the church and now they're not getting along because, you know, this is my boss, but in the church I'm his leader. And, and so people were really fighting with that. Um, Give an example. There was a an, a a man who was in the army as a, a lifer, and he had uh, developed the rank of general. And as his kids grew up, uh, the one oldest son went in to the army, and and he had the rank of lieutenant. And his middle daughter was a sergeant when she joined the army when she was old enough. And then his youngest son had just joined. He was a private, and they were all at home for Thanksgiving. And they all had equal share of the Thanksgiving banquet. And they were all enjoying it when the phone rang. And the general picked up the phone and he said, yes, sir. And hung up the phone. He, he said, I've got to go to a certain place. I've, uh, I've been called back on duty. Middle of, got to leave right now. And so he, he left. The lieutenant uh, got a text and he looked at the private and he said, you've got to go back to base. Uh, Sergeant, you've got, to, you've got to do this and I've, I'm going to go here. And they, all, three, all four of them were family members, but they all had different assignments. And they all flowed under each other's... Uh, the, the, none of the children were more favored than the other. None of the, the children were uh, given more turkey or potatoes at the dinner than the other. They all had the same family and were in the family of God. And we're all the same in the family, but people are given different responsibilities and different ranks. And when you recognize and you submit yourself to those people that God's placed over you, then there's a freedom in that. 
when I went to, to our pastor, Sean, and, and told him, you know, we'd been going here maybe four or five weeks, I don't know if you remember, but it was back over here in the sound booth at the end of a service, and God had been telling me, this is, this is where I want you, um, for a while, and for a couple of weeks, and I'd been praying about it, and I went up to pastor, and, and I said, I just want you to know that you're going to be our pastor, and we're going to commit to you, my wife and I, and you know, when we talk submission, people get some really strange ideas because there has been some abuse. You don't need to call pastor when you're at the dealership trying to pick out a car and ask him what color he wants you to buy your car. You know, we're talking spiritual things. In this house, the, the Lord speaks to the pastor. The pastor will take that vision and share it with the associate pastor, and then he'll disperse it with those people that are working under him. And then that leader of that area will disperse it with his people. That's the way that God uh, works in this, in this uh, dynamic. And it's, there's a freeing of it. There's a certain amount of spiritual responsibility that is now on my pastor for me. Now, that doesn't mean he'll call me up and, and, you know, and tell me, hey, this is what God says for you uh, today and does that daily. But when he's praying for the church, I'm included in that prayer. And there's a covering uh, that God has placed in that. So if you want to be the best doer that you can, you need to find out who God wants you to be under and submit to them and then be committed. Because when things get tough, um, your commitment's going to keep you held to the, to the fire, so to speak. If God's dealing with you and you're not committed to a certain location, it's real easy to get up and leave and go to another church. We used to call them cruisomatics. You know, they'd cruise over here for two or three months until God started talking to them about something they didn't want to hear, and then they went to another fellowship and were over there for a while. Well, God's talking to you because he wants you to change, and it's probably for your good. He probably wants you to, to change because he sees something down the road that's going to harm you if you continue in this path. And, you know, so our commitment needs to be, yes, sir, when it comes to the army of God, and I love you, Daddy, when we're in the family of God. I want to thank you all for um, putting up with me for four weeks. I've certainly enjoyed it, and uh, love you all. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.